So we are uh, continuing the series we started last week as we look at the series of studying the minor prophets. And so we kind of gave a, laid a foundation last week about uh, what are the minor prophets and, and, and th- those sorts of things. And if you remember, again, we have the minor prophets not because what they talk about is minor, uh, but that the minor prophets compared to the major prophets, uh, the main difference is that they are talking with just smaller groups of people, um, smaller um, uh, issues, again, they're not small issues, but just smaller group of people, uh, more one-time type of things, where the major prophets is, is spans many years and, and a, a larger group of people. And so today we are studying the book of Micah, and through the next several weeks we're going to be looking at different ones. And so as we look at Micah, this is actually one of the longer minor prophets. It's seven chapters long. Uh, and when we look at that, also, Micah is a little unique in the Minor Prophets, is that it is literally directed to the entire nation of Israel. Um, this is the time, though, when, when Micah was giving this message. It was during the divided kingdom. And so, look at Israel's history. They were kind of united together. Then they, they divided into Judah and Israel. And so, even when you see Micah, he addresses the two capital cities. Uh, and that was because of the divided kingdom. But yet, he, this was a message to the entire nation of God's chosen people. Uh, and, and so if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me up to Micah. And, and uh, this morning, just kind of leave it open to Micah. We're going to go to it a couple different times as we kind of look at the overview of the book. Uh, if you have your own Bible, um, you can open up and find Micah so you can start that. Uh, if, if you don't, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use if you're with us in person. Um, and if you're with us online, hopefully you uh, have a Bible close to you. But as we look at Micah, the, uh, it is a general prophecy mostly all of it except for chapter 5. And uh, we'll get to chapter 5, but that's where uh, he turns to some messianic prophecy there for that one chapter as he talks about the coming Messiah. But with that said, um, the, the overall message, the summary of Micah, and, and again, this is my version, my summary of what this book is about. Uh, we look at the main message of Micah is, is God telling them that you have, or Micah telling them, you have not done things God's way. And therefore, judgment is coming. And again, this is to Israel. These are God's chosen people. right? And we look at the, the history of them throughout the Old Testament. And again, they were God's people. They were supposed to be doing things God's way. And yet, they didn't. right? They drifted from that. And they're just different worldly ways and idol worship and these different things had just kind of drifted its way into the nation of Israel. And, and so they, Micah, again, his job was to tell them, like, you have not done things God's way and God's not very happy about it. They, and so judgment is coming. And, and yet the, the tone of the judgment, as we can see kind of through the tone of his writing, is it still comes down as their heavenly father, right? The disappointed parents in Israel and saying, you haven't done things the right way. You haven't done it the way I, sh- I hoped you would. And so now it is time for discipline, right? We have gotten to that time where consequences will be had, right? Because of your focus and your behavior and the, the way that you have drifted away from what I want for you. So we're going to start off uh, by reading just kind of the intro to it. So uh, Micah chapter one, we're going to look at uh, verses 2 through 5. And so again, one is his intro of saying who Micah is, um, and then we're going to pick up here at 2, just the, the, um, the intro into this prophecy. Micah 1, sorry, verse 2. He says, Attention, let all the people of the world listen, that the earth and everything in it here, the sovereign Lord is making accusations against you, and the Lord speaks from his holy temple. 
Look, the Lord is coming. He leaves his throne in heaven and tramples the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath his feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire, like water pouring down a hill. And why is this happening? Because of the rebellion of Israel. Yes, the sins of the whole nation. Who is to blame for Israel's rebellion? Samaria, its capital city. Where is the center of idolatry in Judah? In Jerusalem, its capital. Okay, so we see here, again, Micah tells us who he's addressing. Right? He's addressing the entire nation. He, he addresses the two capital cities, because like I said, this is the divided kingdom okay, and in this time of their history. And, and, and here we see, this is the intro. He tells, hey, listen up. God's not happy. Right? There are, there's some problems here. And, and then we see in the following verses and the following chapters, um, God lays out what they had done wrong. And the accusations are plenty. It is a list, literally, about, um, about abusing power, about bullying, about stealing, about corrupt and selfish leaders. This is not a small list, right? They have drifted a long ways from what God wants for them. And we see this description that Micah gives us, that the evil is rampant and it runs deep. And I think when we look at that, we can identify, can't we? I think we look at our world today and we realize that how, how evil is rampant, right? And it runs deep, even into the leadership around the world. And, and again, we can identify with what Micah um, communicates from God about what is happening in the world, even at this time. And then we look at it, the rest of one, chapters two, even chapter three, is basically just a listing out of their many sinful actions. But it's not just about their actions. He also addresses their sinful attitudes. And, and, and again, it goes beneath right, just their actions, but, but the why behind their choices. And, and we see, in fact, just a really great snapshot of the mentality and the environment that Micah is dealing with as we see the evil in the world at this time. So I want to look at, again, Micah chapter 2, verses 6 and 8. And like I said, this gives us just a, a good picture of, of the, the context and the environment that Micah is giving this judgment call to. Um, so again, the people respond, don't say such things. Don't prophesy like that. Such disasters will never come our way. Right? That's, that's a very arrogant response, isn't it? And I think you see that, right? That's just the heart condition of the people, right, at that time. As Micah tells them, they're like, that will never happen. And then we, we see Micah's response to that. He says, should you talk that way, O family of Israel? Will the Lord's Spirit have patience with such behavior? If you would do what is right, you would find my words comforting. Yet to this very hour, my people rise against me like an enemy. Again, this is a very interesting perspective from Micah. Because right? notice, again, he's bringing this, this message of, of judgment, right? Of, of discipline from the Lord. And yet he tells them, he's like, but you are coming at this from the very wrong place. Right? Because he literally he says in here, if you would do what is right, you would find my words comforting. And again, how can this words of judgment right, be comforting? I mean, that seems odd. But yet, um, through this interesting statement, we, we see, though, that finding joy amidst discipline is truthfully a biblical concept. And we, we talked about this just a few weeks ago when we looked at the, the churches in Revelation and how, how you know, God comes from this perspective as a caring heavenly father's parent. He's saying, no, I'm disciplining you because I love you. 
right? Because I want the best for you. I, I see the, the, the direction your life is going in, and it's not good. And so we see, again, even coming from Micah, this, this judgment is coming to them of saying, like, hey, you're headed down a wrong road, right? And so you now have a chance to change and to repent and to not get the full consequences of these horrible choices. And that's why these words could be comforting, right? Like there's this warning that's coming and saying, okay, we get it. We'll stop. We'll change direction, right? And we will avoid a lot of pain if we do that. And yet we see their response, right? Their response is thanks, but no thanks. In fact, it's a little stronger than that, isn't it? It's not just a thanks, but no thanks. It's a how dare you talk to me like that. Have we ever experienced that in our world? Yes. The answer is yes. Right? We absolutely have, right? And we see, again, just the, the heart condition of the nation at this point. And yet, we, we, we understand, right, that if we are disciplined by God, it's because he loves us and he cares for us and he wants the best. He wants us to avoid the pain that comes with those sinful, evil choices. And yet here we are, as, as Micah's giving this, he's like, this should be comforting to you because he's like, you all people should know this, right? That as God's people, you are supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different, right? You're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. You are, you are set aside by God and, and you are supposed to be different. And yet you have ended up exactly like the rest of the world. Right? And all of the evil and the sin and the bullying and the suffering, corrupt and selfish leaders. And, and again, the whole list coming out of these first chapters. In fact, we see in chapter 3 of Micah is specifically focused on the leadership of Israel. Right? And calling them out about how they have messed this, all, this whole thing up. Right? And in fact, we see in, in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, I said, listen, you leaders of Israel. You are supposed to know the right from wrong. But you are the very ones who hate good and love evil. Again, Micah is telling them, I mean, as God is telling me, he's like, you are the ones that are supposed to be different. You are the ones that are supposed to know the difference, right? And, and lead the nation in the right way. And yet, you don't even care. Instead, you hate good and, and love evil. And yet we see, again, why, why does God call out the leader specifically? Well, because leadership sets the tone. Right? We know this to be true. I mean, look at, again, any business or, or school district, right, or church, right, or even family. We know that the, 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 the direction of the leadership sets the tone for everybody. Right? And this is exactly where God calls out the leadership of Israel through Micah, he says, you guys are the ones that are supposed to know what's good. And your job is to teach everybody else what's good. And yet, you have ended up at this very worldly place. And you are supposed to be different. Again, you, you sense this, this tone of a disappointed parent from God. And these first three chapters, again, is full of lots of doom and gloom and judgment and, and a disappointed father. And then we get to, when we get to chapter 4, though, the book takes a turn. Right? The tone of the writing changes in chapter 4. It moves from doom and judgment to hope for the future. 
that we see in, in verse 5 of chapter 4, where it says, Though the nations around us follow their idols, we will follow the Lord our God forever and ever. Now, this, this statement is made about Israel, not about where they are currently, but it is stated what God wants for them. But he said, this is supposed to be true about you, right? That everyone else around you can do, you know, the evil and worshiping idols and doing any, everything that you're not supposed to do, right? But you are supposed to be different. You're supposed to be following the Lord forever and ever. That's supposed to always be true. And yet somehow we've ended up at this place where it's not. Right? Simply stated, this is God's desire for them. This is where God wants them to get back to. God, the heart of God is for this to be true of them again. Because it was true in their past. Right? And God is saying, now I'm trying to get you back there. And yet we can look at this and, and this statement, this, this, the will of God for Israel then can, can still apply to our lives today. As we said last week, right, one of the reasons we want to look at the Minor Prophets is because the same God that's represented here is the same God we worship and follow today. Right? As, we, as we can see again, the human condition right, and the, the heart and the way evil affects us, it was the same then as it is today. And when we realize that, we see, we also can see that God's desire and hope for them is the same desire he has for us today as followers of Jesus. We are supposed to be different than the world. We are supposed to have a hope and a joy that, that the world doesn't understand. Right? We're supposed to have a different perspective of things that are happening in our world. Right? Because we follow a God that is sovereign that is all-powerful, right, that, that is still at work, right, that is still with us. The same is true for us today as it was for them, right? We are supposed to be different, and yet God also knows that we need his help to get there. And now it's truthfully the message, right, of Micah is they're coming in like, hey, you guys, you guys have messed this up pretty bad, but I'm willing to help you get back there, right? I have a plan to redeem you. Right, to restore you to this place with me. And, and, and ultimately, right, is, is this judgment that you say, hey, it's time, they're going to be exiled, right? But yet there's going to be a remnant. I'm going to purify and, and bring you back, right, and prepare you for a Messiah. In fact, that's what chapter 5 is in Micah. Is it, it, it's God revealing through Micah his exact plan of redemption, right, to fix this once and for all. And like I said, that in Micah, we switch to messianic prophecy. In fact, we can look back and read chapter 5. Now, again, we don't have time to read chapter 5 today. I encourage you to read it this week and, and look back at what's described about the coming Messiah. And remember, to this original audience, this was foretelling messianic prophecy, right? This, it was still hundreds of years before Christ would come when this was written. And yet we can look back, we can read it now and be like, well, yeah, that's exactly what Jesus did. Like, and, and, and again, that should bring us confidence in knowing, right, that Jesus truly was sent by God and was 100% human, 100% divine, right? And, and was God's plan to redeem all of us into relationship with him. And that is 100% still true today. Again, the original audience was looking forward to the cross, and yet we can look back at the cross and see clearly what Jesus did for us, and as well as how that plan saves us. 
Again, as we look at that, and, and just, um, like I said, I, I encourage you to dive into it yourself, because we just we don't have time to do that today. But as you do that, we, we get to chapter 6, and, and chapter 6 is the climax of the book. Okay, chapter 6 is where it all comes together, and, and there's all of this, this um, condemnation and judgment in these first chapters, and we see the turn towards hope in chapter 4 for a future, and, and then the, the, God reveals a whole plan in 5 about the Messiah, and then it all gets summarized in chapter 6. And, and, and chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, gives just God summarizes his perspective right, of where the nation is. And then as God lays it out and says, hey, this, this is where we are. Um, so again, you are going to be disciplined and go into exile. And kind of God lays this out, this judgment. And then it's really interesting in verses 6 and 7. Because in chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, is the people's response right, to, to God's um, punishment right, or, or synopsis of the situation. Again, I want to look at verses 6 and 7. Again, this is... The people's response. They said, what can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offerings should we give him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? And what's interesting about these verses is that they come across very snarky and arrogant. Right? They come across as, again, this these kids, right, kind of being like, well, fine, God, like, you want, what, you will perfection, we can never get there, I mean, what do you want, you want us to sacrifice our kids for, I mean, this is arrogant and snarky, and, and coming back, um, you know, like, like a bratty temper tantrum kind of response towards God. Have we ever experienced that in our world? Yeah, just comment on a political post on Facebook if you don't think that that's the way our culture works. Right? And we see this response, and then, again, which we come to the most famous verse in all of Micah, Micah 6, 8, and which is in response to these people's tantrum kind of response to God. And we see Micah 6, 8, right, where he says, no, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you. It's to do what is right to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Okay, we get to this point, and as I said, this is the climax of the book, and yet here we see God lays out very clearly what he wants from them. Again, they're kind of like, well, God, how can we ever please you? Like, there's so much, right? We're never going to be perfect. We're going to all these, these things. And he's like, no, God, God's already told you what he wants. There's just, and it's very simple. Again, he, Micah points out, literally, it's only three things. And they're very simple things. I mean, the first one he tells them in Micah 6, 8 of what God really wants, right, is he uses the phrase just to do what is right. And, and, and that's, again, my interpretation of that is just, just we live in obedience. I mean, God has told us what he wants us to do. I mean, he's laid out this plan, right, and, and, and the ways that our hearts should be. And so just be obedient to God. Just do what is right. And if we do that, if we, if we live in obedience to God and we live out our faith, right, and, and, and we, we do what is right, it naturally flows into the next one, right? The next one is to love mercy, which literally just means to care about other people, 
Right? If you live in obedience, right, and the more that I follow God and got to gain his heart, the more that I realize that life's not about me at all, right? It's, it's about God and it's about other people. So just, just care about him. Just love mercy. And the more I live that out, right, the, the more that I learn about who I am and about who God is, which, which leads us to the, the, the third thing, right, which is to walk humbly with your God. Which literally just means to be in an active relationship with your Heavenly Father. Of, of move forward in your faith, right? Like journey towards Christ. Like we're not about camping in our faith or just hanging out in a church, right? But that we are growing in our faith. We're moving forward to be more like Christ, right? In an active relationship with God. And again, God's looking at them then, right? And, he's looked, and he tells the same thing to us now. He's like, that's all it takes. It's a very simple thing for you to fulfill. Now, it is simple, but it is not easy. Again, the plan of redemption, of, of receiving Christ as our Savior, of, uh, of confessing our sins and being forgiven and, and receiving Christ in our life, receiving the Holy Spirit into our heart, and, and again, growing and being transformed by His Spirit, and growing in our faith and moving towards Christ every day, and, and caring about other people, and this active relationship with Him. Like, it, it's simple, it's a simple plan, but it's not easy. Right? And we look at this, we know that it's exactly the same things that God wants us, of us today. And as this is laid out, then we see verse, through verses 9 through 12, an honest assessment of where they really are. Right? And God says, this is all required of you, and, but now, but this is where we are, right? This is the problem. Right? The first step towards Redemption is to admit where you really are, to be honest with ourselves, that we need God, that we've messed it up, that I can't get there on my own. I mean, that's at the core of the gospel message, right? We need a Messiah. And yet we see in this honest assessment in verses 9 through 12, again, there's a description of greed and deception, extortion and violence and lying. I mean, yeah, he, as God calls out all of these horrible, sinful actions, that, that's not really the core issue. Right? All of these outward sinful actions are really just symptoms of a deeper heart issue. And in fact, that's what we see all through Scripture, right? It's not actually about your actions. It's about the conditions of your heart. Right? And, and because God knows that if he gets our hearts right, right, that our actions will naturally follow. And so the... The, the main core issue that Micah calls out through God's, you know, through God's provision, right, through him to the nation, right, the heart issue that Michael addresses is extreme selfishness. Again, this idea, right, that I can rely on myself and I don't need God. And again, the human condition's not changed in the last 3,000 years. Right, because that's the same heart issue that continues to plague us today. The God, I, I hear about your plan of redemption. I know you sent Jesus. Thanks for that, but no thanks. I got this. I'm good on my own. Right, and that is the biggest lie you could ever believe. 
And we see, again, this hard condition that, that Micah calls them out for is, is exactly the same thing that plagues us today because that's the core of the gospel message is we cannot save ourselves. It is not by works, but I need to be saved through Jesus. For the work that he did by dying on that cross and rising again, by being resurrected and calling me to new life. And again, for them, right, it was the same core issue. Again, they were looking forward right, to the cross. We get to look backwards at the cross. But it's the same, um, same way of solving the same problem. And then we see in verses 13 through 16 that God gives out the discipline and the judgment. Right, that because this is where we are, then you're going to be exiled, but yet I'm going to bring back a remnant, right? And, and that remnant's going to come back to that promised land, and that purified nation is going to rebuild the temple, right? And, and prepare the way for the Messiah, and that that temple that they rebuild is the one that Jesus walks in and teaches in. Right? And, and as, we, as we see that, then we come to chapter 7, to this, this conclusion of the book. And, and chapter 7 is interesting because chapter 7 gives us just the, the perspective of Micah. Right? And we get to hear, again, up to this, he was speaking for God, and, that, and yet now he speaks kind of for himself. And in chapter 7, I mean, he starts out with his own perspective. And the reality is, can you imagine the weight that came with being a prophet? Of seeing things from God's perspective, of how bad things really were, as well as how much God is hurt by all of their sin. Which is still very true today. And then you have to be the one that gets to communicate God's discipline and judgment to to the nation, right? I mean, that's a tough job. And again, as we think about our, you know, modern church today, I mean, the, the, again, pastors are, are called to leadership in a similar way that prophets were then. And again, as your pastor, I will tell you is, is um, you know, we have a similar job, right? We, we hear, you know, and lead and, and, and communicate God's messages, right, from the word. And, and being a pastor is not always an easy job. I tell you, I love you guys, but sometimes you don't make it easy. With that said, as I will tell you, is again, thank you very much from all of you for the notes and the cards and the gifts and the encouragement for this last month. I feel very appreciated. Thank you very much. And yet, with that said, is is we 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 get this perspective from Micah about what it's like to be a prophet in Micah seven verses one and two. He says, how miserable I am. I wonder what he's really thinking. How miserable I am. I feel like the fruit picker after the harvest who can find nothing to eat. Not a cluster of grapes or a single early fig can be found to satisfy my hunger. The godly people have all disappeared. No, not one honest person is left on the earth. They're all murderers, setting traps even for their own brothers. Again, he sees it from himself that this is a pretty grim picture. Again, this is a confession of how bad things really are, even for himself. And again, if through the tone of this, of this writing, is he's literally pleading with the people, like, please listen. Right? Just, just, just take what God is telling you and, and follow it. Because life's pretty bad right now. And, and, and as we see, again, sense the tone, again, from Micah in this concluding chapter, not only does Micah see the misery, right, and all the, all the evil in the world, okay, but Micah 
also sees a way out of this mess. And that is turning to and surrendering to God. In fact, as he describes this through the, the first six verses here in seven, then we get to Micah 7, 7, right? Where Micah gives his own personal experience. And in, in verse seven, he says, but as for me, I look to the Lord for help, right? And I wait confidently for God to save me. And my God will certainly hear me. And I'll tell you, this is a great example to follow. As the leaders of Israel called out for, for drifting from what God wants, Micah sets a great example. He says, no matter how bad, and he was bad, he's like, how miserable I am, but I still look to the Lord for my help. And I will confidently look to God because he will save me, and I know that he hears me, and, and the same is true for you today. No matter how bad the world gets, not, uh, hope is not all lost. God is still here, still here to help and justice will still be served. Right? And, and Micah truly shows us what it means to follow God no matter what. To find joy amid his suffering. Right? And that's exactly what Micah shows us here. Because as we see these concluding verses of Micah in chapter 7, we get to verses 14 and 15 of this, this honest prayer as Micah pours out his heart before God. And then the last verses, verses 16 through 20, is Micah offers up, just prays to the Lord. Right? And again, models for us what it means to, to truly find joy in the midst of suffering. Okay? And as, as we conclude today, I would literally want to read just these, these last three verses of Micah. Okay? Micah chapter 7 verses 18 through 20. Again, think about where we started in seven, right? How miserable I am. And then he gets to this place. Verse 18. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob, long ago. I mean, Micah models for us how to go from being in, in, in complete misery, right, to offering, raising his hands and saying, Lord, but I offer you praise. And again, I don't know where your life is at today. I don't know where you're at in your faith journey. You know, maybe you've never received Jesus as your Savior before. And if that's true, I hope that, that you bring you, God will bring you to your knees to surrender your life to Jesus, to invite him into your life, confess, receive his forgiveness and his love, and, and be saved for the first time. And you do that just by praying and confessing and asking God into your life. Right, maybe you have accepted Christ as your Savior, but yet you're looking at this world around and you're discouraged. Man, there's, there's so much evil in the world, and there is. Right? But God is still here, and he still loves you. And he wants it to, and he has a plan to, to transform your heart and to move you more towards, more and more like Christ every day. So if you're discouraging your faith, just take that step forward, right? And know that God still loves you, and that you can still, there's still a plan for a hope and a future. And again, maybe you're just with God, and we're celebrating, we're just celebrating the things of God, and you're just, you're just praising God, and, and if that's where you're at, then praise God. 
Right? And I don't know where you're at today, but I hope that you will take a step forward closer to Christ. Right? Follow Michael's, Micah's example. Which leads me to my final thought this morning, and that is this. No matter how bad it gets, there is a way out through belief in, confession to, and surrendering control to Jesus. Will you let God get you to a place of praise? Again, no matter where you're at in your life, right, God can get you to a place of praise, just like he did for Micah. And I hope that that's true for you today. Wherever you're at in your faith, move closer to Christ. Lord God, we thank you, God, that no matter how deep we feel, how lost we might be, God, that you are with us. And God, we thank you, God, for the redemptive plan, Lord, of sending Jesus to this earth die and rise again so we can be saved. God, so we can be transformed. So we can be walking with you, our lovely heavenly Father every day. And God, we pray that as we go from here, God, we can follow Micah's example. And Lord, we can turn to you no matter how miserable our life feels. God, we can find hope and love in you. God, help us as we go this week to live out our faith every day. God, to never lose hope or to lose focus on you. God, help us to show this world through us being different. Lord, show this world who you really are. Guide us as we go this week, as we live out our faith, as we represent you well as your church. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.